And there are scientists that, you know, like the crazy scientists you can imagine from movies. Uh, with, like, that would be, movie. yeah. Yeah, and, th and those exactly. The hair all, all like this. <laughs> yeah, that's how I am when I cook. Yeah, and, th and those will be more intuition. And I think progress in science really requires the, the combination of the two. Welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. This is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect, author, and most importantly, your host. On today's episode, data management in manufacturing from ideation to full-scale production with Uri Udolovich, CTO of Materials Zone. Uri, welcome to the show. Thank you, Darren. Uh, really happy to be here. We had a nice conversation. When was it? Earlier this week or last week? Yeah, last week, uh, I think. Last yeah. week, yeah. And I was, I was very, I was a little skeptical on what you guys did, but you got, you got, you convinced me. This is something really interesting. But before we uh, dive into the problem space and things, Uri, tell tell my audience a little bit about yourself and uh, your background. Sure. Um, yeah, so my name is Ori. Uh, I live in the Netherlands, originally from Israel, also spent uh, a lot of my childhood in the United States. Um, I'm currently C CTO of Material Zone. Uh, we'll discuss that today. I kind of have a very mixed background in uh, both in software, which I've been doing from when I was a kid, worked in a couple of companies along the way, and uh, also spent many years in academia. I uh, started off studying uh, physics and chemistry, went into theoretical physics, and eventually did a PhD in mathematics, and uh, also a few years of research as a postdoc. And, uh, and then coming back into industry, somehow ended up in, uh, in this wonderful company I work for now, Material Zone. Um, I've been there four years now. All right, so the big question I have for you, since you've been coding since you were a kid, what was your first computer? My first computer was a Commodore uh, 64. <laughs> not, not mine. All uh, right. All right. Well, I, we can talk now. We can talk. Because I'm always afraid to ask people now because, yeah, my first computer was, you know, a, a laptop. I'm like, uh, all right, Commodore 64. No all right. Idea, yeah, right? that's, that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> That's that's awesome. So, Uri, what what switched you from academia um, to where you are now? What was the thing yes, that that said, "Hey, I'm going to be the CTO of a data a data company"? That's basically, that's what you guys are. Yeah. Well, so when I switched from academia to back to industry, I didn't really know that I'll be a CTO of uh, this company. This company. Um, but I think it was a combination of uh, of two things. So. You know, somehow high-tech, uh, software, product development was always uh, something that intrigued me. Um, I worked before my studies in, in a company. So I, I always knew that I, I want to get back to that. I even had like an attempt at a, at a startup for a few years uh, when I was studying. Uh, so it was kind of natural for me to, to go there. Um, but, but, you know, when, when I was after my PhD, I did have a few years of a dilemma, you know, do I stay here and have like the comfortable life of a, of a researcher or a professor? Um, you know, an acad academic life is, is quite tough. Um, so uh, uh, high competition, you have to move around a lot. So it was really a combination of, uh, of life circumstances and, and passion, passion to, to go back to software and, 
and, and build build a really cool product. No, that that that's awesome. I'm a software engineer by trade. I've been in in executive management and I've been all over the place too, but I always go back to software. Um, I have, that's what I do for fun is write code. Uh, it drives some people crazy. Like my wife, she, she thinks it's hilarious. So, yeah. Um, all right. So let's, let's dive into the problem space. Um, I didn't know it was a problem space, but it absolutely, once you described it, it absolutely is. So what, what problem do you guys see that's out there today that most people don't know about? Yeah, so I, the the, pro, the problem space we're in is uh, is development of uh, products that are material based, right? And uh, products that are material based is basically more or less any product, right? Any any physical thing that you have around you is is materials based, right? Materials can be wood, can be plastic, can be metal, can be uh, glass. Um, and all these, you know, the most simple thing around you, uh, there's a lot of research into it, right? Sometimes you can even trace it back to hundreds of years back, right? Like, uh, just like any, anything in science and, um, and, uh, this process of, of building new products for materials is, it's very challenging in, in a lot of ways, it's a bit like cooking, right? Like you have ingredients, those are the materials you have to mix them. Uh, there's a lot, there's a process, right? Uh, cooking, it's like the cooking time, the temperature. So in, in material, in products, it's much more complex. There could be hundreds of steps. There could be hundreds of ingredients, right? So you have this huge, huge parameter space of, uh, of possibilities that you, you have to try out. And the, ori the, um, the original way of doing it, the classical way is uh, trial and error. And trial and error is, uh, is a very expensive way and progress is made much more, much more, much slower when you go that way. And today, uh, there's a whole new realm called uh, materials informatics, where more and more data techniques, uh, you know, whether it be just data management, just having things digitalized, whether it be statistics, stati like applying statistics, uh, statistical, statistical methods, and, and of course, machine learning and AI, all these things can really save the number of trials you have to do until you reach uh, the thing you're looking for. And sometimes you can even go beyond what you thought you can uh, you can reach uh, using. So it's really about accelerating uh, materials, uh, sorry, accelerating product uh, development. That's kind of like one, three words. Uh. I, you know, this remind when you mentioned cooking, the first thing that popped in my mind and was the way that I cook. My wife and I both cook. She cooks very differently than I do. She follows a recipe. And if it's one of her recipes and she wants me to cook, I have to follow her recipe exactly, right? The way I cook is I, I can't repeat the same recipe twice because I just cook off the cuff, right? I just like, all right, I think this will taste good and I think this will taste good. Do you think that research has been happening that way? It's kind of more ad hoc in the past? Where they're yeah, not yeah. using real process scientific method to say, "Hey, we want to make sure that this is repeat where we can build or make something better." Um, is is that how it's been? Yeah. So I, first of all, the analogy is perfect. I'm going to use it from now on. Uh, so I'm much more oh, like thanks. your. I'm much much more like <laughs> your wife. You're kind of more like the artist type of uh, of cook, and uh, I'm I'm and the you. artist. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and definitely uh, product development has the combination of the two, 
and also people that do it, there's different types of people, right? There are scientists that are much more um, systematic, like, like uh, your wife and me. And there are scientists that, you know, like the crazy scientists you can imagine from movies. Uh, with, like, that would be, cool. yeah. Yeah, and, th- and those exactly. The hair all, all like <laughs> this. Yeah, that's how I am when I cook. Yeah, and, th- and those will be more intuition. And I think progress in science really requires the, the combination of the two, right? Like maybe breakthroughs, for, for real breakthroughs, you often the scientific, the scientific method of, uh, of being very systematic won't get you there as fast, right? You really have to try something completely new, right? Uh, like, uh, like these superconductors we've been hearing of that have been discovered where they, you know, they go into, you know, it might be completely wrong, but they went into an area that nobody, nobody even thought of looking at, right? And, and you probably won't reach that if you, if you really follow, you know, what the... Uh, really, you know, tweaking and, uh, and, and changing. So, so it's really a combination of the two, like a beautiful analogy. <laughs> well, so, so what's important though, in this whole thing, even, especially when you have, um, intuition driven, um, uh, developers, right. Or researchers, right. They're just going off the cuff. You need to capture what they've done. Otherwise it's not repeatable. Right. And that's, that's a problem that, that we have. Uh, w- would you agree? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, that we call that, we call it like knowledge loss uh, or knowledge preservation. Um, so that's, that's, a, that's a really big problem, right? And it's not only about people leaving, right? So when you think of knowledge loss, you think of maybe people, you know, going to pension and then leaving the company and, and that knowledge is lost. But it's sometimes even the same, the same scientist, right? The same uh, R&D engineer, performing some experiments and then the next year they have to do something similar. And since they and haven't they stored it. Yeah. Since they haven't stored in one place, they have to start all over again. And, uh, today we're much more collaborative, much more international. We have, we have, we had one client that where the process, and this is pretty common, the process of creating the product was really cross country, cross continent, right? So some of the process was done in, uh, in, uh, central America, then, the, the product moved to the U.S. Another part was done in one state in the U.S., moved to another state of the U.S. Uh, so you, you really have to work in an organized way. Just keeping notes on a piece of paper or even on an Excel file is not enough um, to keep to keep the knowledge around. And that's, yeah, that's not even going into the the question of, uh, of machine learning and how you can leverage that. Um, we, we used to call the term uh, loss of knowledge, um, I, I, uh, trucking factor. That was the term we use. It's horrible. It's a horrible term um, because we, um, on my team, uh, it was uh, in 1999. In the last millennium, for all you young listeners, that's, you know, pre-cell uh, phone or pre-smartphones, right? Uh, but last millennium, in 1999, I was working for a company and we had a, uh, we were in, in charge of DevSecOps for this big, huge project. It took uh, like 20 days to produce the product every time there was at least 20 days. And we had this one guy that he had a critical section of it. Um, he didn't write it down. No one else knew how to do it. And he was riding his bike and he got hit by a truck and died. Oh, Very okay. sad story. It took us four months to figure out what he had been doing. Four months. So from that point on, we call it trucking factor. We said, you can't have a trucking factor of one. It has to be at least two. 
one and a half is even better than one, which means I wrote it down, but everyone had a backup. Everyone, everyone knew how someone else did something um, so that we never ran into that problem again because it completely tanked this massive product that we were shipping because we didn't know how this one section of this process worked. So this is very important. Knowledge capture, knowledge um, a loss is a big is a big real issue, not just in material science either. Sure, and yeah, and you also have to. Add, add, first of all, that's a tragic story, and, uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's horrible. But we still use the word trekking factor. Yeah, and. Uh, and uh, yeah, and the, so there's the you know the issue of loss. There's the issue of uh, findability, right? Like my, having being able to find find the data, right? Um, could be could be that you're documenting it, but is it is it? Can you find it? Did you uh, index it in a proper way? Which could mean like putting the right keywords. Uh, you know, do you have many systems? Like how how many systems do you have to search through to find your data? So that's another aspect of this. So um, real, real quick, let, let's talk a little bit more about um, the approach that you guys took to solve this knowledge capture problem. Because with material science, it's not as easy to capture, I would guess, because you've got people that are working in the physical world. In the software side, everyone's on a computer, right? I can, I can more than likely capture what they're doing, right? Even if I'm just capturing keystrokes, um, and, and, and work that out later. But in, but when you're doing material and product development in the physical world, that's a different story, right? So how do you, how do you overcome that, that physical to digital, uh, gap that you have? Right. Oh, so that, that's actually a big, uh, big challenge that we face. Um, because people work in the lab, you know, they're, they often don't look at the computer for the whole day. Um, sometimes I can't you can, imagine a job like that. I just, <laughs> it doesn't register for me. Sometimes you can't even have a computer in the lab where you are because it's maybe a bit, you know, there's too many liquids and, uh, and things that could destroy the computer or you need to put it behind some kind of uh, protective layer. Um, so th this is a problem and, uh, I can't, I can't say we completely cracked it. Um, we've had, uh, we have, we've had users that installed tablets uh in their in their lab put the tablets behind like a pl plastic uh plastic protective um layer and um and then entering entering the data as they do it right but sometimes it's really writing things on a piece of paper and then when you finish the day you go to the computer for 20 minutes and you have to insert all the data um the best thing where we try to to make this easier is automation, right? So really connecting to measurement devices, right? So it, um, you know, some some things you just have to read off a screen, but sometimes you can some you know in material research uh, or you know we even work with uh, domains like batteries, right? And in batteries, uh, you do something called cyclometry, where you just like charge and discharge a battery over and over again. And then you have these big machines, they collect a lot of data and this kind of data you can just have flowing uh, into, into a platform like ours. So it's, it's really a combination. So it really depends on the, on the type of research which is being done. Sometimes it's easier, sometimes it's harder, sometimes it really requires a lot of change management.
So, so what I find interesting is you've got data that's digital and analog or digital and, and the physical data. You guys have come up with a way um, of collecting all the data, right? At least a, a more central repository for all that data. And I imagine that data is not coming in in rows and columns for a database most of the time, right? It's scientists' notes. It's, it's a whole bunch of different things, right? Is that... Is that kind of the space that we're in? Yeah, definitely. Structured and unstructured data all over the place? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, um, so first of all, the data is often not tabular. It doesn't really fit in a, in a table. We, I kind of think of it more as, uh, as a graph, right, in terms of like nodes okay. and edges. Um, because, for, you know, there's different, different instances of where you can see a graph, right? For example, if you go to this example of, uh, of this battery, the like battery development that I discussed, then what you have, you have a, a battery. A battery is made out of a cathode, electrolyte, and an anode. And then each one of these is also made out of raw materials, right? And, and those can also be made out of raw materials. So you really get this kind of tree, tree-like structure that describes your data, right? So this is not a tabular, tabular thing. Uh, this is in general true, right? Whenever you have a product, it's made out of ingredients, but those ingredients are always made out of ingredients and made out of ingredients. So right, it's like an aggregation. There's a lot of relationships going on there, right? A lot of relationships, yeah. And, and then also the process itself. So sometimes we also look at uh, manufacturing. We can discuss that in a, in a second. But like the, the process of an R&D is not only about the R&D, right? It's really about the R&D feeds from all the other parts of, uh, of the process. And that could be procurement, regulation, sustainability, and also manufacturing, right? There's kind of feedback loops in all directions uh, where any anything that gets measured, anything that has properties can affect uh, the development of the product. And in the manufacturing line, for example, again, we have a, a client that where we, we saw this. Um, you have things like you have a certain batch of, uh, of some of the raw materials, and then that batch gets split up and it gets merged with another batch. And you really get this kind of very complex... Uh, um, route that the, that the product goes through and you have to capture all of that. You have to find a, a way. And, and I think that's what makes also our product special. The, the, the data structure that we have, it's really kind of tailor-made to, to this kind of research, uh, to product development research, uh, which is different than. So I, I, I like, the, I like what you got, what you described there. I'm moving from research on, on material science or product development into mass production. That that's a that's a huge problem for a lot of companies. They spend years trying to. I I, I made this in the lab, but I can only make it in small quantities. How do I now make it in mass quantities so I can sell sell this product more at a lower cost and lower price? Right. That's that's where you guys kind of fit in. You 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 bridge that gap between data capture in the in the research side into manufacturing. Uh, best practices and, and process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we when we talk about R and D, we don't really we don't only talk about developing like one prototype, right? We, we think of R and D as actually three steps, right? There's R there's R and D itself, there's uh, scale up, and there's production, and uh, and each one of these parts of uh, of uh, product uh, development is is very unique, right? There are overlaps. But the challenges are very different, right? So when you're when you're in the lab and you just want to find that like one, you know, best uh, 
don't know, uh, let's say uh, so you're building a solar panel, right? So you want to find one which is which works well, which is the most efficient, right? So you're really obsessed by increasing the efficiency. But then you say, okay, now I need to manufacture, you know, 1,000 of these an hour or a day or, or something like that. And then you start producing it and you, you run into new problems that you didn't even realize you have, right? So you, ha you get an, a whole new set of problems. Um, and the re so you, there are similarities in the type of research that you do and you're doing trials, but you're doing it at a different level. You do it in different, uh, with different methodologies uh, and different challenges. And then in, when you go to manufacturing, it's, now it's about stabilizing, right? Uh, so in, in R&D, when you're in the lab, you're actually trying to increase variance. You want to try as many things as possible. Go crazy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And when you're in manufacturing, it's really just about stabilizing. You want to, the, th the, same, the, the same thing to happen over and over again. And that, of course, Decrease never Decrease variability, right? Exactly. Get yeah. rid of variability. You want it consistent, right? right? So that's interesting because those are diametrically opposed to each other. Yeah, they are, but the, the methods are not, right? The statistical methods that you use are not completely different, right? They are, they are different, but uh, we've kind of built uh, a set of tools that some of them fit the one, some of them fit the other, and some of them fit both. But the most important thing is that the data, the data is all concentrated in one place because data from manufacturing of one product can later help manufacture uh, R&D of another product. Of another Right. So even though the tools, the statistical tools might be slightly different, you still want to have the data as as uh, unified as possible. But let's dive into your solutions set. We've talked a little bit around it. So you guys do data capture. I've got a central place. It sounds like it's more graph database based, which I love, right? Because I can do structured, unstructured data that way. Um, so I've got capture. I've got some analytics. Is there process involved? It, tell, give me kind of a high level overview of what you guys have put together to make or to help companies move through this, this uh, research scale up and uh, production uh, process. Yeah. Uh, sure. So Material Zone is um, it's basically an end-to-end -end, uh, materials informatics platform, and we like to say that it's a it's a platform that enables uh, lean R and D processes. And uh, let me explain. Oh, nice. Lean R and D. That's lean R &D. that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So let let me explain uh, these words and uh, and why I use the word end-to-end. -end. Uh, I think material informatics we we've covered, and why I use the uh, lean R and D. Um. So end-to-end -end, uh, has to do with what I just described, that when you do research and development of, uh, of products, you can't just be siloed and focused in just in, in your lab, right? Just in the late data of your lab and the properties of your material, right? You really have to have a connection with all the departments of your, of your uh, company. So you need, um, we discussed already kind of the connection to manufacturing, but let's also touch on other things. Uh, so there are different challenges that are becoming more and more prominent today. Uh, for example, regulation. Regulation um, is is um, is something which is increasing increasing a lot these days. Uh, very geographic dependent, right? So if in, in trying to sell something in Europe, you'll, you'll have EU regulation. In the US, you'll have US regulation, and so forth. And, um, and these, these regulations are becoming stricter. So just to give an example of what I mean, 
think uh, that you're producing a packaging, right? Like a plastic bag for, for pasta or something. Okay. Uh, and you need, you have to toxicity, um, uh, restrictions, right? You can't use any type of plastic. Uh, and these things are changing all the time, right? So something that we think is, uh, is okay to use today. Next year, it's not Isn't okay next month more. or next year. Exactly. Yeah. You need to adapt quickly. That's one, one aspect. Another aspect. And by the way, a lot of com big companies, they have a regulation department, right? So the regulation department needs to talk to the R and D department. So that's why I'm using the word end to end. Same thing goes for sustainability. That's becoming more and more uh, prominent today. Something called carbon footprint. Um, it's, it's kind of like a number that you have to attach to your product. And that number is computed out of other numbers of your raw materials, of, of the transportation used to bring those raw materials. All of these things are parameters, right? In the past, we would just look at, you know, the strength of a material. And that's all you would care about when you would, you know, build a... Right, yeah, yeah. But now you have to start looking at, you know, how much carbon is being produced when, uh, when, I, when I build it. Um, supply chain is something that is, you know, very problematic in the last couple of years. And material that is available today is not available tomorrow. All of these things. So that, that's where end-to-end -end comes from. Um, and then this connects to what I said, you know, what I called lean R&D. So lean R&D, uh, I think a lot of people are familiar, familiar from uh, manufacturing, Toyota, uh, lean, lean, uh, lean startup, lean, lean uh, software development. All the, all, what this means yep. is, is, you know, lean is thin, right? Uh, reduce waste. And, uh, and that's kind of what we aim for. We aim to reduce waste in the, in the R&D process. Is, is the number of experiments you have to perform, the amount of materials you have to buy, uh, carbon footprint, uh, as we discussed. So our platform, it does this connection between all the data. We have this analytics and machine learning uh, layers on top of that and everything in order to accelerate and reduce waste uh, of product development. So have you captured a lot of best practices in this area and put those into your analytics. So I can take advantage of industry best practices. Let's say I'm brand new into um, plastics. Let's say I, I'm doing plastic. You, you brought up plastic bags, right? So I'm brand new into plastics. Um, and do you have like kind of best practices cooked into the analytics? So I can say, all right, I go through this and, oh, here are some things you need to watch out for type of thing. Is that, is that kind of what we're getting out of this as well? Um, yeah, in, in, in certain ways, yes. In other ways, no, or I would say not yet. You know, uh, it's, a, it's, a, you know it's, a, it's a good direction. Um, so, for, you know, because of uh, security and, uh, and privacy issues, then we don't share data, of course, uh, between, uh, between companies. And, you know, we're very Between customers, okay. Customers, yeah. So we're very careful, uh, you know, like lessons learned in one customer, we don't pass it to the other customer. And, you know, lessons learned are also how these guys are working very well, very efficiently. It's not something... Right. So it's a competitive advantage. Yeah, exactly. Uh, however, in terms of, uh, of tools, in terms of uh, statistical methods, in terms of machine learning methods, these are things that we develop. Uh, this, this we do, I mean, that's kind of the point of, uh, of MaterialZone is to make... You know, data science, machine learning, AI, statistics available to people that are not familiar with these things, right? They, this is not something, this is not what they, they spent uh, their degrees uh, doing. And, uh, and we bring that to them at very low cost, right? So no code, 
for those that cannot code, we do have some coding opportunities for people that uh, that, that do have some data scientists. Uh, like you and I, right? Or, us, yeah. Like us. <laughs> so, so yeah, in, in, the term, in, in terms of like analytic tools, statistical tools, then it, what you said is, is right. Like we do... We do kind of out of the box uh, make these available and uh, and you know give uh, webinars and so forth. So so it's not just the tools. You're also doing some training and things like this. So Definitely. what this means is you've decreased the barriers to entry on leveraging data science into these manufacturing because you don't you don't want to develop a whole huge department for data management or data management for data scientists and analytics to all create your own tools when you're focusing on material science or you're focusing on product development in the physical world. It, it's almost a loss. Uh, there's no immediate benefit. There's only benefit in the long term, which a, a lot of uh, executives can't uh, afford. Right. Yeah. I was surprised by the way, how, you know, we've worked with uh, a couple of four, fortune 500 companies and, uh, and I, you know, like kind of the your instinct is like, oh, they probably have uh, dozens of uh, data scientists. What what can we help them out with? But it's surprising how that's not the case, right? Because as you said, they're really focusing on uh, on logistics, on uh, manufacturing, and um, and and actually, even even a small startup like us can uh, has a lot of value that can bring. That's awesome. So, um, Uri, if people want to find out more about Material Zone. Where do they go? How do they contact you? What, what's the process? Yeah, so we, we have a website, www.materials.zone. Um, you can contact, contact us by email, uh, contact, uh, contact at materials.zone. Uh, you can find the, uh, the email address on the website. And uh, we have a sales team, a support team that is uh, just waiting to, to receive your call. Waiting to answer your call, right? <laughs> I, th this, is, this is a fascinating uh, area i i think and uh you know i always learn something new so thank you um uri for coming on the show today thank you darren uh, this was a lot of fun thank you for listening to embracing digital transformation today if you enjoyed our podcast give it five stars on your favorite podcasting site or youtube channel you can find out more information about embracing digital transformation at embracingdigital.org until next time go out and embrace the digital revolution